Welcome to the Revelation Church podcast. We trust today's message will speak to you. If you'd like to get in touch, just drop us an email at hello at revelationchurch.org.uk. It's good to see so many lovely faces. I've, I've been away, actually, for a week. It feels like 10 weeks. Um, but I, I just really got a sense this morning as I came back that there's such a spirit of belonging here and there's such a the spirit of God is so present here and I haven't yeah I just had a real revelation and I wanted just to say before I even start that if anyone here feels maybe like they're an outsider or maybe you're new and you're coming for the first time or maybe you've been coming for a long time and you haven't quite felt like you've belonged yet um open your heart I feel like God is saying when we choose to follow him and when we choose to gather together we belong we belong to him and we belong to each other and his spirit of belonging is here. So just keep your heart open and he will reveal his spirit of belonging and his family to you. And I hope you feel that as we talk. So my name is Alice. Um, for those of you who don't know me, I've been part of Revelation Church for a long time, for many years. Um, and currently we're going through a sermon series looking at the I am statements of Jesus, of God. Um, Steph kicked off the series looking at the book of Exodus, where God reveals himself to Moses and reveals his name, which is I am Jehovah and uh, Yahweh, which means I am who I am. And then Jesus, as when he comes to earth, develops and expands on that, and he has many I am statements. Bob last week looked at I am the light of the world, Jesus said, and this week we're going to look at Um, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And we're looking at the Gospel of John, the book in the Bible, uh, the last of the four Gospels, um, so you can make your way to chapter 14. Um, We're going to start there, and I am going to read from just from verses 1 to 7. It should come up on the screen, yeah, lovely, thank you. Um, So, Jesus says, Let not your hearts be troubled, Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself, that where I am, you may also be. And you know the way to where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. So Jesus saying, is saying, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Wow, that is quite a statement in today's day and age. It's controversial, and I would say it's politically incorrect, according to our current society. And some would say it's arrogant and small-minded to think that Jesus is the only way to God. Our current culture will say that you find your own truth. You you shouldn't impose your truth on other people. And so this statement is outrageous, and it, it was outrageous even then for him to say this. And it is today now. And I can hear my friends and family and people saying to me, okay, so you're saying, if we follow this man who lived over 2,000 years ago, 
we're going to find true life. No, 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 no. They will say to me, life is what you make it. You don't need a religious figure. You don't need a religion to tell you how to find life. Truth is relative and subjective. You just have to find your own truth. But if this man, Jesus, who is followed by 2.4 billion people around the world, a third of the world's population, makes a bold statement like this, whether you regard him as a good teacher, a holy man, a prophet, a king, your savior, or merely a a deluded man, I think it's worth our time to look at the statement and analyze it and see if we can believe it to be true. Because if Jesus really is who he says he is, if he is the way to truth and life, then his words are only going to make sense if we test them out. Anyone can make a wild statement, but until you test it, you don't know if it's true or not. So we're going to test these words and we're going to look at this statement today. Um, I'm meant to bring a, ba- a stick of bamboo. Has, does, it, do you, does everyone know what bamboo sticks? If people like growing tomatoes, often you use those, the bamboo stick. Right. If I had a bamboo stick here right now, and I, if I had a few bamboo sticks, and I made a ladder out of them, and I said, okay, I'm going to make this ladder, and I want you to fix that light right there, <laughs> would you trust me, and would you trust the ladder? Would you just jump on the ladder? You'd want to test it out, right, if you had any wisdom. <laughs> well, um, actually, yeah. Um, Bamboo is surprisingly strong. Has anyone been to Hong Kong? Been to Hong Kong? Has anyone seen the scaffolding in Hong Kong? Have you got a picture on the slide you can show everyone? This is bamboo. No joke. They use bamboo for their scaffolding. It's surprisingly strong. They lift uh, um, building materials. Construction workers go up there with bricks and all sorts. Isn't that incredible? I couldn't believe it until I saw it with my own eyes but that is bamboo. <laughs> um, and just like we maybe didn't know whether we could trust that bamboo was going to lift you up to that ladder, we're going to look at these words, and you can test them out for yourself and see if they're going to be true. And um, we're going to come with a perspective that is open to believe that it might be true. So whether you call yourself a, a Christian or a Protestant or a Muslim or a Catholic or an atheist, Let's come together and just have a look at these words and see if they're flimsy or solid. Now, I want to give you some context for the passage um, before we dig into it. It's the Last Supper. It's the night before Jesus was crucified, and he's just told them that he's leaving them. He's been with them every day for three or four years. He's their leader. He's their closest friend, and he's telling them, I'm going away, and you can't come with me. Peter's saying, I'll come with you anywhere. Jesus says, actually, you can't come, and actually, you're going to deny me by morning. Thomas is saying, how are we going to find you when we don't know where you're going? And Jesus is bringing this passage here of comfort. So he's trying to comfort his disciples. And the first thing he says is, let not your hearts be troubled. Troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. So on one side, we've got the disciples, anxious, confused, hurt. Jesus, where are you going? Why are you going without us? Why can't we come with you? And then on the other side, you've got Jesus saying, just trust, believe in me, do not be afraid. And there's this gap in between. If his way, if he is the way, and if his way really does bring truth and life, then 
they need to do just that. They just need to trust and believe, and he will work everything out. But if his way isn't the way and doesn't bring truth and life, then they're right to be anxious and confused and scared. And we are too, because there's so much suffering and pain in this world. If he isn't the way, and if he doesn't bring life and peace, it would be a pretty scary existence. But he's claiming to be the way. I thought it would be really helpful if we looked at the Apostle Paul, because he finds his way to Jesus, and he's someone who's violently against believing that Jesus was the way to God. So it's a really interesting study if we look at him. It's in Acts 9. I'll bring, I'll bring it up on the screen as well, so if you don't have a Bible, don't worry. Um, I'll just read the first few verses. It says, But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found anyone belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, who you are persecuting. See, now Saul thinks that this group of people following the way, <laughs> they were, Christians were called followers of the way in those days, and, and Saul thought that the people, the followers of the way were just people, a sect that were just following a system of rules, uh, a spiritual way of thinking that he needed to stamp out because they were a threat. And he thought Jesus was just teaching this, had taught this way of living, and he just wanted to, to stamp it out as soon as he could. But Jesus is not saying that. Jesus is saying, I am the way. Can you see the difference? It's not like any other religion. He's saying, I am God, and I am the way. It's not just a set of rules that you can follow. And that's what differentiates Christianity from every other religion. It's not just an idea or a set of rules or a methodology. He is God, and he is a person. So whether you believe him to be true or not, if he is real, you won't be able to contain him. But Saul can't see it. And Saul was a devout Jew intent on stamping out this growing church, even allowing Christians to be killed. He saw them as a threat and heretical. And as he's making his way to Damascus to arrest the followers of the way, something crazy happens. He gets the light appears around him, and he, he goes blind. Imagine the situation. Imagine, put yourself in Saul's shoes. He thought he was on a holy mission. He thought he was doing God a favor, stopping these heretics from growing. But in reality, he was spiritually blind and not and. He was doing things his own way. And we can all be prone to that behavior. Remember, he was a devout believer. De devout believers in this room, <laughs> beware, we can all fall into this trap thinking that we've got everything right. We can get all high and mighty about something we believe to be true, and it's in our nature to fight for something that's just and holy. But we have to be so careful fighting for a cause without Jesus and becoming so self-righteous about being good people whether we're Christian or Muslim or atheist, we might think, oh, but I'm a really good person. But we might even miss Jesus when it becomes all about us, just as Saul did. And in order for him to realize his blindness, he needed to be physically blinded. 
And sometimes we need to be humbled from our pride before we see how proud we are. And sometimes God allows suffering to help us to see that, our blindness and our pride. Saul was blind for three days. Notice the significance. He had three days in darkness. When Jesus died on the cross, he was in darkness for three days. There's a death happening to Saul here. A death of Saul and a birthing of Paul. People that don't know the story, Saul, um, after he chooses to follow Jesus, his name changes to Paul. He's the same man, and yet he's two remarkably different people. One, Saul, who believes he's on the right path, doing things his own way. And Paul, who has met Jesus, heard his voice, his life has been transformed, and he's dropped everything to follow him, the way. So when you've met God, everything changes, and you can't deny him. Saul had met God, and his whole life had been turned upside down. You might meet God in maybe not so dramatic way. <laughs> I mean, Saul had a pretty dramatic experience meeting God, and maybe for you it's some, just a small voice. But you know when you know when you know. Because everything changes, and you'll suddenly believe that anything is possible. And you'll feel compelled to follow him. And you might be like Thomas. You might be like, I don't know, I don't know where he is. I don't know how to find him. How can we know where he is when we don't know the way? And we can all be like that. I can, be like, I can relate to Thomas. You know, sometimes as a Christian, I've been a Christian many years, and sometimes I'm like, where are you, God? I don't know where I'm going. Where, you know, how do I find you? But like Thomas, Jesus has given us a gift to help us to trust and believe. Um, when I was growing up, I had a genuine fear. <laughs> Not that embarrassing. I had a genuine fear of getting lost in the supermarket. I think it happened once, and it was terrifying. And me and my sister had this genuine fear we would get lost in the supermarket. So we developed our own code and language of being able to locate each other no matter how busy it was, no matter how many aisles away we were from each other. And it was a whistle. But it wasn't just any old whistle. It was a developed kind of whistle. And there was like a call and a response. And it was a specific call and a specific response. So anywhere you were, if you heard the call, you would know to respond. And you would keep calling and responding until you found each other and you'd be safe. And my mum obviously learned what we were doing. And then if she heard the call, she'd help come and find us as well. And it was great. And we, we never got lost. Um, and Jesus, <laughs> my point to this is, Jesus has given us a way of connecting to him, a way of reaching him when we feel lost and alone. That means we will never, ever be without his presence. We will never be, we never have to do things by ourselves. We will never be lost. And he gave us this gift to stay connected to him. And that gift is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit dwells here on earth with us. He is God with us. He directs us into the truth and into the way of Jesus. And the more time you spend listening to him, the more you hear him and the more you get to know his voice. My sheep hear my voice, Jesus said in John 10. And I can testify, the more, I t more time I spend in the Bible, the more time I spend in the Holy Spirit, the more I hear his voice and recognize his voice. And in reality, we do live in uncertainty and we can often feel blind, but we're not meant to know everything. We're not God. We're not, we are designed to believe in him and trust him and let him work everything out for us. 
And Paul, or Saul, heard Jesus' voice and followed him into the light. And if we choose to listen to Jesus and follow him and his way, it means truly giving up control. And that is really hard for us. <laughs> truly giving up control and trusting him and believing that he is going to direct us into the light. But once we do that, we find more peace and joy than you could ever imagine. And it's a simple choice to follow him or to do things your own way. But it's not always easy. We have to die to our own desires. It's hard when Jesus doesn't fit in with culture and popular opinion. But what's the alternative? That we don't believe him? We do things our own way? We could listen to media, powerful voices in today's society. But does that really feel safer? Is there any other person on this earth that is so pure and holy and good that you would want to follow them instead? Anyone who prays for you every day? I hope you have people praying for you every day. But is there any other person that ever lived who loved you enough to give up their life for you? Anyone who is so committed that as you trust in him, he works everything out for your good? Do you know anyone that powerful and good? Because I don't. And so I keep choosing to follow him even when I can't see. I do believe and I've experienced that he is the way to truth and life just by following him. So if you test him out, I believe you'll see that he is the way. But is he the truth? In 2019, a research paper on British social attitudes was released stating that 44% of Brits say they, never, they almost never trust a politician to tell the truth. Before we start condemning politicians, the Telegraph released a poll a few years ago that said the average Brit tells, guess how many, how many lies they tell a week? Ten lies a week, the average Brit. So, if people find it that easy to lie, how can we trust anyone to be true? How can we trust a man who lived over 2,000 years ago to be the ultimate truth? A poll in America said that 66% of Americans say there's no such thing as absolute truth. And many in our current society will say that truth is socially constructed by people in power. And that's why the media has so much power, because they can feed people with a narrative that they want people to believe as a truth. And then rich people buy up the media outlets, <laughs> and then they shape politics or buying patterns with a manipulative media or um, advertising. So we're kind of aware that there's this illusion going on and there's people in power that are influencing us, influencing what we believe to be true. And so there's a general sense of we're desperate for truth. We're desperate for truth to depend on and we don't know really where to look or who to trust or which way to go. And it's really helpful at this point to just take a step back and look at the framework with which we ask these questions. Um, many of us will have bought, been brought up on postmodern thinking, which says, what is truth? How do you know what's evil and what's true? Who says evil even exists? I've got family members who say there's no such thing as evil. It was just made up by the church to control people. So if we think about this framework of thinking that is the foundation for these philosophies, we can then ask the right questions, but not what is truth, but who is truth? Because postmodern thinking is, is a late 20th century movement of sceptical thinking 
that rejects certainty and ideology as a mean of, means of political power. So it deconstructs everything. It cannot accept anything as truth and as certain. And it has a huge, huge influence on anyone who's born from the 60s to the you know, 2000s or even today because they've been brought up on a diet of this question everything, nothing is true. So we have this kind of deconstruction in our heads where we're questioning what is true. And contemporary postmodernists would say that when you're fighting for your truth, whether that be Christianity or Islam, it's not just the individuals coming up with ideas. Actually, what's more scary is the group thinking that's dangerous. So if your group, whether that's a church, a synagogue, a mosque, or a feminist group, if that group insists that their truth is correct, then they're just basically trying to elevate their group above everybody else's. And postmodernists would say that they just have a story, and we just have a story, and we tell these stories to give our group identity and to feel like they belong, or to feel like their group is better. Okay, so, if these are really just stories to make us feel better and have identity, then honestly, I would have gone home a long time ago. <laughs> but there's power in this truth. I've been a Christian over a decade, I think 16 years, and uh, maybe even longer, can't count. <laughs> I, I read the Bible pretty much every day, and I sometimes do that out of a sense of duty, but I cannot say if I would keep doing that for 16 years if there was not power in this truth. I couldn't do it, and no one could do it. It's impossible. <laughs> and talk to, if we talk to anybody in this room who calls himself a believer and a follower of Jesus, not just someone who believes in God, but actually has given up everything to follow Jesus and repented, ask them if they've experienced the power of God and this truth in their life. And you will hear testimony after testimony after testimony of healings, of miracles, of impossible situations restored, broken relationships restored. And it's not just a bed of roses. There are tears and there are pains. Following Jesus doesn't suddenly make everything okay. But when you have this truth, you can't buy. It's a truth that you can't buy. It's a peace that you can't buy. And you can't find it anywhere else on this earth. And I would challenge anyone, if, they, if they're not sure where they're at, or if they're just looking in, test it out. Test it out like the ladder. Try six months of giving up everything to follow Jesus. And I, I have so much faith that he will reveal himself and just see what happens, see what miracles come in your life. Why are we so drawn to truth? Why are we so offended when people lie to us or hide the truth? Because we feel cheated. We feel like they're making a fool out of us. And truth is a really valuable currency. Lawyers and judges make careers out of it. And we want these lawyers and law keepers and people in authority be, to be genuine, don't we? Because if, if they can't be honest, like we have nothing to hope in. We want them to tell the truth and bring justice. We want them to secure justice for the oppressed, to liberate the innocent and fight for the weak and speak on behalf of those in society who have no voice. We want people in authority to use their authority to protect people from injustice. And if those people are corrupt, no one's going to take them seriously and the whole system will fall apart. 
but it's very easy for us to look at those um, institutions and structures and condemn them. But we actually need to look at ourselves and we need to be honest with ourselves and with God and with the people around us. Because when we're not honest with ourselves and we're not honest with God, we're actually driving a wedge of dishonesty between us and each other and us and him. And that breaks down relationships and intimacy with each other and with him. And we get trapped in these false narratives of what, who we think we are. We think we're good people, honest, and who we actually are, prone to laziness, selfishness, cutting corners, cheating, telling little white lies, maybe that grow. Lies can start so small, can't they? You can think, oh, I don't want to tell them the truth because it might hurt them. And then it grows and it grows. And you can find yourself in a situation where you're like, I'm actually living a lie. This isn't true. And we have this kind of bar of conscience that's so high. And the more we're surrounded by the world and its influences, the kind of the lower the bar gets. And if you find yourself on that journey and you're like, actually, I've got too far. I don't know how to get out of here. There is a way, and Jesus has made a way for us. Because his truth and his holiness was so perfect that it covers all of our lies. And the blame that we should have and the punishment that we should have for being dishonest or cutting corners or being selfish, he's paid for with his life. And he served the prison sentence that we deserved so that we could go free. How amazing is that? Does that truth not set you free? He's above corruption. He liberates the oppressed. He had the highest authority, and he used that to bring justice for the weak. The, the punishment for our sin and our shame and all that we've done wrong was death, and he's taken that death. Jesus says, everyone who is of truth listens to my voice. So we believe... I believe he is the way, and if we follow him, we will find truth. I believe that he is the truth and that he brings us into the light. And finally, we look at he is, his statement, I am the life. What does, what does he mean when he says, I am the life? What is life? What is life for you? Is it security? Is it freedom? Comfort? Joy, what is life for you? In Genesis 2, the f first book of the Bible, God creates man and woman and places them in the Garden of Eden. And in verse 9, he says, The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the garden, grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he goes on later to say that you can eat from any tree but you mustn't eat from the tree of good and evil, for you will surely die. Now, the tree of life represents God's life that is available to everybody. It's a tree that you can eat from. God commanded we can eat from any tree, including this one. But as we know the story, many of us know the story, Adam and Eve chose to eat from the tree that they were asked to leave alone. And it brings them spiritual death. So instead of eating from the tree of life, they choose to do things their own way and doubt God, doubt his goodness, and then they're cut off from the garden and cut off from his presence, from all the security and the safety that he brings. Is this not what we all do? We think we know best and try and do things our way. Then we lose our connection with God in the process and we get lost. Jesus, 
this is the amazing news and the truth. He is the new tree of life, that he brings God's life to earth, into the world, to give us a chance to come back to the garden, come back to the Father, come back to the God, God's presence. In John 6, he says, Very truly, I will tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. It may sound a bit weird, eating his flesh and drinking his blood, and I'm sure it sounded weird to people listening to it at that time. But Jesus is really pointing back to the garden here. He's presenting a choice to us. Do we eat from the tree of life? Or do we continue on our path, our way, which leads us to separation from God, even death? And he puts us back in the shoes of Adam and Eve and gives us the same choice. In John 1, it says, The word was with God, the word was God, and the word became flesh. It's talking about Jesus. Jesus was with God, he was God, and he became flesh. And if he is the word and the truth, then when we read the word, we're in, in effect consuming truth, eating his truth, and it brings us life and life to the full. We're eating from the tree of life here. And I experience this when I read this, when I read this <laughs> year after year, when I'm anxious, this book brings me comfort. When I'm feeling insecure, this book gives me security. When I'm feeling alone, this bring, book brings me love. When I'm feeling trapped, this book, these words bring me freedom. That's why so many Christians are obsessed with the Bible, because it's alive. It's God's power. It's Jesus in words. And it's not just duty that keeps us reading. It's because there's so much power in these words. He said, I have come that they might have life and life to the full. I lay down my life at my sheep, and his sheep are those who follow him, followers of the way. And those sheep, if sheep, if sheep are being led by a shepherd, they let the shepherd lead them, and they let the shepherd feed them. And so we have to let God lead us and let him feed us with his truth. Why did he... Why does a shepherd have to lay down his life for the sheep? Why did he have to die so that we could live? I think it's because our mess, well, I know it is because our mess is so huge and so complicated that we kind of just build up this wall of our mess <laughs> by choosing to do things our way and rejecting him. And the only way to break down that wall is and the only way to give us a way back to the garden, a way back to the presence of God, is a truth that is so powerful, it breaks through all of that sin and that shame. And the only way we can grasp that truth is to follow him and his way wholeheartedly and let the Holy Spirit live inside of us. And then we find life. There's a death that happens. Jesus told us, if you want to live, you have to die. We die to our pride and our arrogance doing things our own way, and it's really hard. <laughs> Anyone who lives a life following Jesus, it can be really hard. It is a narrow path. But when we place these seeds in the ground, when you place any seed in the ground, it dies, and then it bursts into life when the sun shines on it and it bears fruit. And when we eat his word and consume it, there's this death that happens in us. We die to ourselves. We die to doing things our own way and selfishly, and we gain life, and we're reborn 
through his word, his truth, and we get life. We have new eyes to see things differently from a spiritual perspective. And he saves us not only in this life, but for an eternity with him. And he creates more meaning and love and security and peace than anything we could create by ourselves on this earth. So he's not just a way to follow. He's not just a path. He is the way to follow to the truth. And the truth brings us life. Everything came from him. And we, we're all going to return to him. And he's the destination. He's not just the way. He's actually the destination to where we're going. And if you choose to follow him, you can enjoy his spirit now on earth and you can enjoy his presence forever. I'm just going to read, um, just to finish, perfect timing. <laughs> um, the end of this chapter, chapter 14 is probably one of my favorite chapters in the whole Bible. Have a read of it later if you haven't read it. Um, verses 23 to 27, just to finish off this. Jesus says, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My father will love him and we, we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the father who sent me. All this I've spoken while still with you, but the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the father will send in my name, will teach you all of these things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. I'm just going to pray. I thank you, Lord, for this passage. I thank you that we don't need to be troubled or afraid. I thank you that when we choose to follow you, you are the way to truth and your truth brings life. And I thank you that we can test this out. We can test this truth out and, and see and taste that it's good and that you are trustworthy and true. And I pray for all of us in our hearts where we, we're going our own way, where we're trying to do things our own way. Lord, please reveal that to us so that we can continue to die to ourselves and let you bring new life in us, Lord. Amen. <laughs>